Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Okay. Now, what I started to do, honestly, was to go get the bell bottoms and a white shirt and a bunch of bling and a black hat with a feather in it and a boom box. And wiser heads in my family prevailed. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is what does love got to do with it? Amen. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. We're going to read it in the Message Bible. Hatred starts fights, but love pulls a quilt over the bickering. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers, pulls a quilt over, a multitude of sins. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up practically for anything. Most important of all, you must sincerely love each other because love wipes away many sins. And in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The world, therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What manner of love? Love one another with a pure heart fervently. Love each other as your life depended upon it, because it is love that covers a multitude of sins. What's love got to do with it? Well, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. But do you know that it began as a religious holiday? That it's not really Valentine's Day, but it is Saint Valentine's Day. Valentino in the Italian language. And it literally originated back in old Rome. And we're not for sure exactly how it started, But we know that there were two different men by this name, Valentino or Valentine. 
And the, the, the myth or the legend or the tradition goes like this, that one of those men, uh, St. Valentine as we call him, was a priest. And the Caesar of Rome wanted to take all the single young men and put them in the army to fight his battles. And the only way that you could avoid that service was to be married. And so even though the edict from the Caesar was that all the young men had to remain single, St. Valentine would slip around and get them married. And ultimately he wound up in prison and he was martyred. And then there's a second man and he was noted also as St. Valentine and it was because when he was in prison for his faith, he would send letters and cards and gifts and statements to others and he would always end it by saying, from your Valentine. And so it started as a religious feast, a religious mass, a religious holiday. And then like most things in our world, it was hijacked. And it became a day of commercialism, a day that we quote-unquote celebrate love. It's the official beginning of the season of love, and celebrate we do. Flowers, cards, a billion of them, candy, jewelry. In fact, this Valentine's Day alone, there's the expenditure of 18.2 billion dollars on jewelry and candy and cards and flowers. Wow, love is expensive. One guy used to say, he, he said, I used to think that love could pay the bills, and then I fell in love and discovered that love brings bills, creates them. But this is a time when a man's fancy, a young man's fancy turns to love. Somebody said, it is love that makes the world go round. And if it doesn't, it sure makes the ride worthwhile. And so we celebrate love, and we always have. From the beginning, uh, we see it in our literature, from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet to Elizabeth Barrett's Browning, How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways. And she begins to enumerate all those ways, and she ends that poem by saying, And if God chooses, I shall love you even the more after death. And so from Alfred Lord Tennyson's It's Better to Have Loved and Lost, than to never have loved at all. To that great, wonderful philosopher of our generation, Winnie the Pooh. He says, I want to live, uh, I, if you live to be a hundred, then I want to live to be a hundred minus one day, so that I never have to live without you. Amen. And now to love story and literature. We not only celebrate it in literature, but we celebrate it in movies and television shows. Camelot, Pretty Women, or Pretty Woman, Ghost, and especially in our generation, Titanic. Now, you know the boat sinks. I mean, it's not about the boat sinking. It's a love story. It's a story of Rose and Jack, and she can end by saying, He saved me. In every way that a person can be saved. And so it's all this celebration. And, and in TV it's from I Love Lucy to Love Boat and Love American Style to now all the chick flicks and the Hallmark Channel. 24 hours a day to the notebook. We celebrate love. And mainly we celebrate it in our music. When I was talking about this thought and praying about it, I begin to go back and try to get all the love songs. Do you know what an impossible task that is? Do you know how many love songs there are? 
I mean, every genre, every generation, uh, 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 love is a many splendid thing. I'll love you to the twelfth of never, and that's a long, long time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. What love will keep us together? You light up my life, bridge over troubled waters, wind beneath my wings. You raise me up. I will always love you. I can't stop loving you. And the one I never really knew the name of, I always just knew the words, Oh, I need your love. I hunger. You know, that's not the title. The title's Unchained Melody. I don't know where they got that. When a man loves a woman, she loves me. Yeah, yeah. Have I told you lately that I love you? I love how you love me. I, I, I just came to say I love you. Could I have this dance for the rest of my life? You needed me. What's the newest one? Because you loved me. And the one that I really like that you probably never heard by Phil Vassar called, I'm nothing without you. And then you switch that genre and you go right over to country and western. And they start singing, look at us. If you want to know what true love really is, then look at us. Or he stopped loving her today. Or, or through the years. Or forever and ever, amen. Or the, the really beautiful one, if tomorrow never comes. I want that one at my funeral. But if you really wanted love songs, you'd go back to my generation. When the music was real music. And you listen to who wrote the book of love. Amen. And Buddy Holly's True Love Ways. And Elvis's Love Me Tender. And Dream Lover. And Where the Boys Are. And Running bear loved little white dove. And <laughs> hey, hey, Paula. And three bells. And Donna. And teen angel. And last kiss. And my true love. And bye bye love. And only love can break a heart. And only love can mend it again. And sweet 16. And the greatest one that was ever written. And ever was sung. I can't help falling in love with you <laughs> now some of you are looking at I have all that music by the way uh, I have four CDs and two and three cassettes because that was real music but we celebrate love literature movies and and our scene and sometimes I get the feeling that we are just in love with being in love uh, we call that infatuation uh, my mother called it puppy love. And she, every time I'd come home with a new girlfriend when I was about 14 and told her how greatly in love I was, she'd say, oh, son, that's just puppy love, and it's not worth much, but it sure is good for the puppies. So everyone around us is, is looking for love. But in this generation, there's been a shift. And people are beginning to become somewhat cynical and they're beginning to say is is love really that important for now the television program is not love boat it's sex in the city okay it's, I knew it was going to get a little quiet in here today so. and that cynicism even comes into our songs in fact in my day the song was what do you get when you fall in love now I went for a long time dancing to that song, never listening to the words because the tune was so great. But have you ever listened to the words of that song? What do you get when you fall in love? 
And if you listen to the words, that person begins to express is what you get is pain and sorrow. And the song actually ends with the statement, I will never fall in love again. Okay, so if you don't know that song, everyone was bouncing to. So what's love got to do with it? But did you listen to the words of what she said? She said, I've been thinking about myself, but I'm concerned about my own protection. And she says, what does love got to do with it? Love is just a second-hand emotion. <laughs> Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? See, you knew the words, but you never thought about it. And so what she is questioning is, is love that important? And I say the answer to the question to what does love have to do with it depends on what kind of love you're talking about. It depends on how you define love and what love does and how love is demonstrated because I say that love has everything to do with it. But you have to understand what love is. It has to be properly defined. And so somebody said, love is a rush. It's a blush. It's an emotional response. We used to say, love is being on cloud nine. It's this dreamy sensation. Because when you're in love, you get clammy, sweaty palms. And you have palpitations of the heart. And you get shortness of breath. And you get butterflies in your stomach and your stomach begins to churn. And you can't eat and you can't sleep and you feel dizzy. And we used to say, you, you, you fall head over heels in love. Well, all those symptoms, all those things are symptoms of the flu and the heart attack. It ain't easy being in love. <laughs> So we have to define what love really is. The best, the best definition of love I ever received was by a teenager in a youth camp when I used to do youth camps long ago. And the girl gave me the piece of paper. And this is what she wrote. She said, love is an itch around your heart that you can't scratch. I like that. And somebody else said, love is a contraction of the lips and enlargement of the heart. So you have to define what love really is. And if you really want to define love, you need to ask a kid. And so this is what an eight-year-old Rebecca said. What is love? When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. Uh, that's love. Another five-year-old Carl said, Love is when a girl puts on perfume, and a boy puts on shaving cologne, and they go out and smell each other. And a six-year-old Christy said, Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Bobby, age seven, said, Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. One ten, a six-year-old said, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. Man, I can relate to that one. <laughs> and this one may be the best of all, but it might be an exaggeration. This is from Mark. He's age six, and he said, love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. 
and maybe the best one. Love is when a four-year-old child's next-door neighbor, an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife, and upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went to the gentleman's yard, climbed onto his his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked him what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said, nothing, I just cried with him. We try to define love. Love is a sacrifice, a loyal heart, a warm smile, a generous spirit, a choice we make, an encouraging word, an expression of kindness. Love is not giving up, simply listening, being transparent, bearing one another's burdens, reaching out and touching, giving with no thought of return, showing compassion for the suffering of others. Love is keeping a promise, knowing when to let go. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Believing for the best in someone. Accepting others for who they are. Taking time to really know a person. Making a sacrifice only you can possibly make. And so we keep trying to define love. The problem is in America, we love everything. Amen. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and chivalry. We love cars. We love trees. We love jewelry. We, we, we love lakes. We love pets. We love dogs. We love birds. We love ugly kids. We love family. We love books. We love each other. We love God. And if Pastor Steve was here, he would say, and some people even love cats. We love everything. But though we have one word, there are four words for love in the Greek. And they made a distinction about what love is. The first word in love for Greek is eros, or eros, from which we get the word erotic. It meant a sexual passion. It was a self-centered, selfish passion that was based upon what you can get from or out of someone else. It never gave, it only received. And if it failed to get what it wanted, it became bitter and resentful. It depended upon you being attractive in some way to another person. It is a sexual, sensual love. And I want you to know that word is not in the Bible. When the Bible talks about sexual impurity, it never uses the Greek word eros or erotic. It uses porneo from which we get the word pornography or fornication or sinfulness. That word's not in the Bible. And yet it is that word, eros, erotic that is taking the place in America for the true definition of love. My self-gratification, my sensual desire, my sensual pleasure that I get out of you, whether you get anything or not. Like Steve says, I ain't getting any help in here. Let Let me give you an example. The biggest bunch of hypocrisy I've ever heard. Fifty shades of gray. Fifty shades free. When, those, when that trilogy came out in literature, you know what literary critics said? It's a bunch of trash. It's the worst thing that's ever been written. And now it's three movies. And the last one was just released. Not only have the book sold 100 million copies, but that movie in the first week made $39 million dollars. It is about self-gratification. It is about self-pleasure. It is about abuse 
and sadism and sadistic. And Christians read it and go see it. Okay. I, I, I cannot fathom that. The Bible is clear that marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But we do not take pleasure in the sins of other people. We are not partakers of other men's sins. We, we, have no, we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Somebody say man just once. And this movie is a portrayal of self-gratification and pain and abuse and misuse. And we eat it up. And you know what the movie says in this one? It's all right if you've got rope burns around your wrist as long as I buy you a diamond bracelet to cover them up. And at the end, you know what the lady that's been abused says? All the pain that you inflicted was not as great as the pain of losing you. That is an abusive mentality. That's why women that are harassed and abused stay in abusive relationships and suffer ungodly pain. And Christians want to be a part of that mess? No. The Bible says you shun the very appearance of evil and that you askew evil. And in the Greek it says when evil comes in stage left, you run out stage right. Come on, Brother Bob, you're preaching. That love doesn't have anything to do with it. That love is selfish and self-centered and only cares about my satisfaction. And that is not the love that the Bible has anything to talk about. Well, the second word that the Greeks used for love was storge, which meant love for relatives. Uh, that's what you get naturally. You love your mom, you love your dad, you love your brothers, hopefully. Love your sisters. You love your cousins, you love your aunts, you love your uncles because you are born into kinship. You didn't have anything to do with it, but they are your relatives and therefore you storge or storgain and you love them. And then the third kind of word is philio, the word for love, from which you know from knowing about Philadelphia, which means a city of brotherly love. And philio is a different type of love. It is deep tenderness and affection. In fact, it can be defined like this. It is a love because. In fact, if I gave you a pencil and a piece of paper right now, and I said to you, write down why you love your wife. Invariably, you would say, well, because. Because she's pretty. Because she takes care of me. Because she cooks good meals. I love her because. Right? If I asked you why you loved your dog, you'd start by saying, because. Amen. Filio is a love based upon deep, tender affection rising out of the situations and the circumstances that you find yourself in. You love her because. There's only one problem with that type of love. What if the situations and the circumstances change? What if she's not pretty anymore? Come on, people. I shave every morning. I never was handsome. You know, I, I, I've got BDD, beauty deficit disorder. I can't. But I, but I can look in a mirror. And I'm not 16 anymore. 
I've changed. <laughs> One guy told me that I, I had furniture disease, that my chest had done falling down in my drawers. So, <laughs> oh, come on. You guys, are, you guys are looking at me today. See, you, you don't know this side of me. You, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Teresa does. But <laughs> so what if age takes over and you're not pretty anymore? Does life stop? What if instead of taking care of you, she gets sick and you have to take care of her? What if she burns the food? Do you know the Jew could the Jewish people in Jesus' day could divorce their wife over there, burn the food? All the man had to say was, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you three times, and it was done. Over anything. And so the problem with Filio is that it's based upon affection and upon situations and circumstances, but those situations and those circumstances don't last. And so when the Greeks wanted to talk about love, they didn't talk about eros or sturgio or filio. They talked about agape, God's love. Now this was a unique kind of love, and you have to know the definition, because agape is that love which seeks the best for the object of its affection without any regard for cost to itself. Oh, okay. Let me, let me, let me say it again. It is an unselfish concern that freely accepts another in loyalty and trust and seeks their good without concern or thought of cost to its own self. I seek your best. I seek what's going to bless you in every decision. In every decision, I don't consider what I want. I consider what you want and what you need, regardless of what it costs me. It is a love in spite of. It's not emotional, though it can be. But it is based not upon the emotion that I have in my life, but it is based upon an act and a decision of my will. That I determine I'm going to love you. And I'm going to seek the very best for you, the things that will bless your life, and I will not consider what that's going to cost me. Because that's God's love. And that's what John said in 1 John chapter 3. He said, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that he would call us and make us the sons of God? And when he said, what manner of love, you know what he said in the Greek? What foreign kind of love is this? That's an alien kind of love. That's not erotic. That's not filio. That's not the love. This is a love that didn't come from around here. That love wasn't something that's native to our land. It is a love that was brought to us because it is a love that seeks the very best for me and makes me the son of God when I didn't deserve any of it. It seeks out the best for me regardless of what it costs God. That's the way Paul describes love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is a love that believes all things. 
It is a love that hopes all things. It is a love that bears all things. It is a love that believes all things. It is a love that endures all things. It is a love that never fails because it is God's love that seeks out the best for you regardless of what it costs him. It's a love that's unconditional. You want to see it quickly in the New Testament? The best story is in John's Gospel. And Peter had said to Jesus, I'll never fail you. <laughs> they can arrest me. They can put me in prison. I'll die for you. And then he denied him three times and cursed an oath upon himself. Now, Jesus is resurrected. And he brings them to the seashore and gives them bread and fish. And, and after breakfast is over, he brings Peter away from the group. And he says, Peter... Son of John, son of Jonas, do you love me, agape? Do you love me more than boats and nets and occupation and fish and all these other disciples? That's what you said. Do you agape me? Do you love me in spite of what it's going to cost you? And Peter said, Lord, I love you, Thelio. I have this deep, tender affection for you, but I'm not where you are. Because you're up here with an alien, foreign kind of love that says, I'm supposed to seek the best for you without any regard for cost to myself, and I can't get there. I'm on deep affection. And so Jesus brings him back the second time. And he says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I feel you. I really have deep affection for you. And then Jesus brings him back the third time. Well, why not? He denied him three times. Now this time it changes. And Jesus says, Peter, do you filio, follow me with deep affection? And Peter says, changes his answer. Lord, you know everything. You know what I said. You know what I claimed. I, I, I claimed more than I was willing to give. I wasn't willing to give up boats and nets and ships and disciples. I wasn't willing to give. I, I couldn't love you on the agape level. You know everything and you know that I love you with deep affection. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, follow me. Peter passed the test. He didn't deny the Lord this time. He wasn't going to claim more than he was willing to give. That's the biggest sin in our lives is that we claim more to God then we're willing to give. I love you with all my heart, but i got to go watch a ball game. I'm going to show up to worship you uh, 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 at least one day a week, but i got a job, and, and, and I would sure like to go out and help, and, but I've got a family, and, and we claim more than we're willing to give because God demands not filio, emotional affection, but agape. Now, Peter got there, because later he writes in one of his epistles and he says, I, 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 since you believe the truth and the purifying of your soul, now you are to love one another, agape, with a pure heart, sincerely, without mixture, without wax. You're to love one another with a pure heart, fervently. And Peter finally got to that level of agape. You want to see that one? USS Pueblo captured in international waters but the North Koreans years ago said they were violating their space and they brought those captured Navy men into a room and they set them around a table there were 13 of them and they came in and the first sailor was in the first chair and for two hours they beat him 
tortured him. Left him finally bleeding and unconscious. And went out of the room. And when they came back, instead of that soldier beaten and unconscious, he was at the end of the road. And another sailor had taken his place. And they tortured him and beat him and left him unconscious and walked out of the room. And when they came back, that sailor had been taken to the end of the line and a new one was there and it was repeated over and over and over because God's love is that you seek the best for the object of your affection and you never consider the cost to yourself. It's really quiet but it's that kind of love that God commands us. In fact, did you know, all you ever know about is Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth. Oh, no, 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 no. There's a king. He was called Edward VIII. Do you know why you don't remember him? Because he was only king for 10 months. And he abdicated his throne. Do you know why? Because he had fallen in love with a divorced commoner by the name of Wallace Simpson. And he was willing to give up the throne after 10 months in order to have the love of his life. Well, they don't teach history in school anymore. That's the kind of love that God is talking about. I'll tell you how I define love. His name is Ben Claiborne. I pastored him in Apache, Oklahoma. His wife's name was Jewel. He was several years older than Jewel. And she was his Jewel. And he loved her. And Jewel had a stroke developed dementia was placed in a nursing home nine miles away from where Ben lives in fact it was probably closer to 15 miles because he lived south of Apache and every day Ben would get up early in the morning and get in his car and drive to Surreal to make sure that his jewel had food and was taken care of and he'd come home and that evening he would get in his car and he would drive that 15 miles one way, 30 miles round trip in the evening to make sure his jewel was fed and was taken care of. And in all the time that his jewel lived, he missed one day and with tears in his eyes, he told me, he said, Brother Bob, I missed one day. I had to go in for outpatient surgery and I just couldn't believe I missed one day. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. That's God's love. And it's that love that God demands. Because that is when God tells you that you have to love Him totally. And that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you love your enemies and you do good to those that despitefully use you. And you love one another, your brethren. And husbands, you love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for it. In other words, it is a love from God. It's not from around here, but it is the love that God brings within our heart. And it's that kind of love that does something that's what it is but it 
does it. You know what that love does? It cost. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible says, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. Do you know what commendeth there means? He handed his love over to us. He stood alongside of us with his love. He introduced his love. And Jesus loved us and loved the church and gave himself up for it. It is a love that cost him rejection. He came to his own and his own received him not. It cost him a a, a crown of thorns upon his brow. It cost him a, a pierced side and nail prints in his hands and stripes upon his back. It is a love that cost Not the nails, but his wondrous love for me kept my Lord on the cross of Calvary. Oh, what power could keep him there? All my sin and shame to bear. Not the nails, but his wondrous love for me. He did that when I was in rebellion. He did that when I was in disobedience. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He loved me regardless of what it cost him because that kind of love cost. And it not only cost, it carries. Because he carried my sins in his own body to the tree. And he nailed them there. He that knew no sin became sin for me that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He carried me to the cross. He became the propitiation. He became the sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world so that we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. He carried all my sin and put it on himself. That's why the Bible says he's the propitiation. We'd He's the one that turned aside God's wrath and judgment. He took what I should have had. Because that kind of love, it's not from around here, but it brings salvation and it brings sanctification and it brings the infilling of the Holy Spirit and it brings Him meeting your supply and it brings healing. And ultimately, He loves you so much He's going to come back for you because He's gone to prepare a place for you. That's the kind of love it cost. And it carries. Uh, you, you remember this song, and I'm going to close. But One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among me, and my example is he. Word became flesh, and the light shined among us. His glory revealed. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day, he's coming. Go listen to that song again. That's what love does. It carries and it covers. But not only that, it's a love that cares. It's a love that reaches out to others regardless of what it costs you. Nine times in the New Testament, Jesus is moved upon with compassion. And every time he's moved upon with love, you know what he does? He reaches out. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He opens the eyes of the blind. He heals the lame man. He unstops the mouth of those who couldn't speak. He raises the dead. He prays that God would send forth labors. It is a love that is so overwhelming from God that you've got to reach out and care. 
That's why the Bible says we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was tempted in all points as is we are yet without sin. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need because we can cast our cares upon him because he cares. You know, caring can get you in trouble. I'll show you one picture. Jesus is in the garden and they've come to arrest him. You remember? He asked his disciples to pray and they went to sleep. And they're wakened out of their sleep by this mob and in the mob is a servant of the high priest and Peter jumps up. He's the only one who's got a sword. And you know what he intended to do? He cut the guy's head off. But he's so sleepy he missed. And he just got his ear. Now here is a person that has been cut and wounded by a follower. Oh. There may be people in here that you've been cut and wounded by someone who said they were following Jesus. And he's in pain. His ears gone, blood streaming down. And you know what Jesus did? Nobody asked him to do it. Nobody. In fact, if they nobody prayed about it because they've been praying. You know what the disciples have been praying? Cut his head off. And Jesus in love gets up and picks off that severed ear and he walks up to the man and heals him. Now wait. When you walk up to care for somebody, guess what? Your chest is exposed. And every one of those servants and soldiers not only carried a sword, they carried a dagger. And when you reach out to care, you're exposed. All he had to do was pull out his dagger and thrust it. But he didn't because he felt the touch of love. That's what God's called you to do. He's filled you with an alien kind of love. It cost him. He carried it to the cross so that you will now reach out and care even when you're exposed. And the last thing the Bible says this kind of love does is cover it pulls a quilt over a multitude of sin. Uh, I love that statement in, in, in Proverbs. But it said in the New Testament, above everything, love fervently. Love like your life depended upon it. Love one another because it is love that covers a multitude of sin. You know what the words for sin there means? To miss the mark and to fall short. I, I, it's not my intention to hurt. I didn't intend to speak the wrong word. I was aiming for the bullseye and the distance was farther than what I thought and the wind was too strong and I let the error go and it fell short. And I missed the mark. I sinned. You all do. I do. And we do it mostly with one another. And the only thing that covers that sin of falling short is love. What kind of love? God's love. Not what I can get out of you. Not what you can give me. Not because there's great affection. Because that may change. But because God has placed his love in my heart. And his love covers. In the Old Testament, it's Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the sons of Noah. And the flood's over. And Noah's become a husbandman. And now he drinks the wine. And he's drunken in his tent. And the Bible said his nakedness is exposed. There's a lot in that. I don't have time to. 
But his nakedness is exposed. And Ham, his youngest son, goes in and sees the nakedness of his father, comes out and tells his brother. That's the world we live in. Inquiring minds want to know. But when Sham and Japheth heard, the Bible said they picked up a quilt, a blanket, probably a toilet, a prayer cloth, and they simply begin to walk backwards. And they wouldn't even look upon the nakedness of their father. And they covered it. Because it is God's love that covers a multitude of fallen short. It's a love that says, I love you. Period. Not I love you if. I love you and. I love you but. However you have to. Uh, you have to live up to this. You have to do that. I, uh, they expect. It's a love that looks you right in the eye and says, whatever it costs me, I want your best. It is that that covers all the falling shorts in your family and in God's family because we just love. And I'm committed to your best no matter what it costs me. That's what love has got to do with it. If it's God's love, it has everything to do with it close by reading the words of one more song and most of you know this song but you know it as a rock and roll song and you don't know the history that Simon Garfunkel took the title of this song because they had heard a gospel and the gospel song had said the one that they found was an, was an old spiritual and it simply said that I will be a bridge over deep waters if you will trust me now. Talking about God. And they took this and wrote this song. And I had never even listened to the words, but I, I closed by listening to the words. When you're weary, feeling small. When tears in your eyes, I'll dry them all. I'm on your side when times get rough. And friends just can't be found. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. When you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part when darkness comes and pain is all around. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. So I will be there. And when you fall short, I don't stop loving. I'll lay me down. And when I fall short, you cover me instead of exposing me. That's what love got to do with. I want you to stand with me. You're here this morning and you may never have experienced that kind of love. The only way you'll ever experience that kind of love is not from whom you're married to or who you're in a relationship with or from your family.
It's not from around here. It's a foreign kind of love. And it comes only from him. For God so loved you that it cost him. If you don't know that kind of love, you can receive that love right now. Because that's why Jesus came. Is to pour his love in your heart. But I think probably most of you have experienced that love. But I want to tell you how we're going to end this. It is only that love that says, I love you, period. I love you without demand that will keep you together. Yeah, love will keep us together, but it's God's love that keeps us together because it's His love that covers me when I fall so short, and I do. I don't mean to. I didn't mean to say it that way. I had a tough day, and my mind was on some. I didn't mean to ignore Valentine's Day. I didn't mean to be so heavy-handed with the child. The only thing that keeps you covered. I, I, I didn't mean to walk by you in the sanctuary and not say hi. I, I was thinking about what I got. I got to go to the doctor. I, I'm concerned about where the money's come. And I, I didn't mean to ignore you. So what keeps us together? Because we love. Do you? i tell you what I want you to do. And then Danny's going to come and end us. And I know I've gone wrong. But I don't want to go without giving you a chance to express God's love. What I'd like for you to do is if your family's here, I'd like for you to just bring your family in. Stand up here with me. I, I know logistics is not real good, but as close as you can, you just bring your family and, and just kind of find a place for you and your family. Would you do that? Would you humor me? Come on. Bring your family, mom and dad and kids. And, and, and if your family's not here, you're going to be a part of my family. Okay? I want you to be a part of my family today. So I want you to come stand with me. If somebody's here, their family's not here, would one of you families grab them and adopt them and make them a part of your family right quick? Come on. Right here. Just, just come as close as you can. Just bring your family. And, and, and we're just going to do two things real quick. What you're going to do. Now, if you can't do it, you need to pray first. But what you need to do is you just need to take a moment. And look right in your family's eye and say, I love you, period. I love you. I'm not demanding anything. I don't want anything. I just love you. I love you. I love you. Amen. I love you. I love you. You just need to tell them you love them, period. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, you know what's happening right now? God's pulling a quilt covering. <laughs> I know I fell short. I, I know I didn't say it right. But I love you. And no matter what you do,
I'm still going to love you. You can't make me stop loving you. I love you. I love you, buddy. I love you. I love you, honey. I love you, girl. It it would be right since we're all family. If right now you turn to some of the other people's not even your immediate family and maybe look them in the eye and tell them you just love them. You love them. Period. You're there. You're the bridge over their troubled waters. You'll lay yourself down for them. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, you care. Hallelujah. Because we love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now, Lord, we pray that you would seal this love, your love, in our hearts and help us to be your hand extended touching others even when it costs help us to love like you love because that's what your love has to do with it in Jesus name amen amen God bless you this morning brother Danny come it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.